Damian Lillard and James Harden jamming up the market a little in the NBA right now. What does that mean for the Pacers from a timing and trade perspective? How do those guys impact the blue and gold? Plus, let's look at some finance stuff to figure out what the Pacers could do next and talk about some of the team's coaching staff changes on today's Locked On Pacers podcast. You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in to another edition of the Locked On Pacers podcast, where we, of course, talk about the Indiana Pacers, as always. My name's Tony East. I cover the team for Forbes and SI, and today, lots to get to. Free agency has slowed down a bit, which makes sense for the Pacers. They have a full roster. They can't do much in terms of offering playing time at the moment. Stuff will have to shift a little bit around the league. The dynamics will have to change. And Damian Lillard and James Harden's trade demands-ish have kind of shaken this all up. How could that impact the Pacers? Plus, let's look at some of the new salary cap rules and the Pacers situation to look at stuff they could do and talk about some coaching staff changes headed to the Pacers. They did acquire some free agents who aren't players, believe it or not. We will start with the big kahunas, James Harden, Damian Lillard, both. Very, very publicly now on the trade market. Sounds like Damian Lillard wants to go to Miami. It sounds like James Harden wants to go to the Clippers. What does that all mean for the Pacers? Let's cut this off before we go anywhere. Neither of them will end up on the Pacers. Um, It doesn't really make sense for them to end up on the Pacers, and that's kind of the whole reason that I'm saying that. In the past, maybe you'd talk about it a little more. That doesn't really need to be discussed here. So how could this actually impact the Pacers? It's interesting because um, the Dame one, before we talk about trades and the Pacers jumping in on trades and lots of three-team trade stuff, Dame, if he goes to Miami or Brooklyn, which are the two reported destinations, those two teams that finished ahead of the Pacers in the standings would get better, make it harder for the Pacers to catch them, and they're right on that cusp of play-in, play-off, right? Pacers trying to get up there. Those teams getting better would obviously hurt the Pacers' chances of jumping up that high, but Philly could get worse at the same time. So looking at the standings right now, so fool's errand, we can wait till the league is done with free agency and all the teams are settled, but the Dame one, in terms of non-trade impact, that's the thing I want to cover. The other thing with Harden I want to talk about before getting into three-team opportunistic trade stuff is Harden's preferred destination, according to a lot of reports, is the Los Angeles Clippers. The Pacers just acquired a draft pick in a trade with the Nuggets where it's the worst first-rounder of uh, OKC, Clippers, Jazz, and I'm forgetting the fourth team, the Rockets, right? So the Clippers seem like the best team there. If they get James Harden and they're better, that pick could be worse. So that's just direct hit stuff for the Pacers to monitor uh, unless the Clippers flame out dramatically, but it still seems like that team would not be a top five team in the league. We'll see what happens with those trades, but the real impact on the Pacers to me would be a chance to be opportunistic, especially in the offseason market. And we've seen the Pacers do this before, right? We've seen Kevin Pritchard jump in on these bigger trades when stars are on the move and have it benefit the Pacers, right? The most famous one is the James Harden one, right? The the old, old three trades ago to, oh my gosh, James Harden requests so many trades. Um, when James Harden went from Houston to Brooklyn, <laughs> that one, um, when he jumped in, as many remember, and Lavert was going to the Rockets from the Nets, and KP swooped in and said, hey, would you prefer Oladipo and the Rockets, who were still trying to win at that time? And 
had built pieces around Harden to want to win, said, yeah, we'll take Depot. We think we can win better with that. And the Pacers got Lavert and a bunch of picks out of it. That was good value for Victor Oladipo at the time. That worked out quite well for them. The other bigger one that he got in in a smaller way on this one, but swooping in is the Isaiah Jackson acquisition. I don't know if any, many remember this one as much, but um, that came as a result of swooping in on the Russell Westbrook from Washington to Los Angeles trade. They were able to trade pick 31 and Aaron Holiday to the Wizards for the Lakers' first-round pick that the Wizards were getting for Westbrook, and that netted them Isaiah Jackson, and the Wizards got 31 and Aaron Holiday, right? He's jumped in on these big star trades before to find value of stuff that the Pacers value more or more than these other teams and stuff that other teams value more than the Pacers. And if you know lots of stuff is moving and teams value them differently, why not think about what it will take to jump in, right? That's why a lot of the chatter around a Dame trade has circled around Tyler Hero. Does anyone value him more than the Portland Trailblazers so they could move him in a way that makes more sense for this three-team trade. Or from a Clippers-Sixers perspective, the same conversation around like Norm Powell, Terrence Mann, Marcus Morris. You get the gist of what I'm saying, but that's kind of how third teams get looped in. Team with cap space could also be valuable. Pacers have some, but not so much that they can seriously change things uh, in a discussion like this. But that's how you jump in on these, and we've seen the Pacers do it before. So could they do it again? Yeah, absolutely. They're smart, they're opportunistic, and they've got good assets to do it. It would be about finding something that a team involved doesn't want or values less than the Pacers in a bigger trade. Like, the to go back to the comparison I already made, how Houston valued Oladipo over Levert but the Pacers were inverse because of their situation, right? That's what it would be, something like that, where something going to Philly for James Harden is a rebuilding piece that the Sixers don't want, but maybe the Pacers do. For example, something going um, to Portland, eh, they're kind of rebuilding too, but you get the gist. There could be moving parts that are example. Like, uh, for an example, I typed this morning when, when really thinking through this segment outline, would Portland rather have, let's pretend they're making a trade with Miami involving Damon Lillard, an extra first rounder? Or would they rather have Jaime Jaquez, right? Jaime Jaquez, who, by the way, fantastic debut in Summer League today. I can't believe Summer League has already started the Utah version of Summer League. Speaking of which, we'll cover Pacers Summer League later this week. But let's pretend Jaime Jaquez, who the Heat just drafted 18th overall, or 19th, I can't remember, is in this trade to Portland. Would the Blazers rather have Jaime Jaquez, or would they rather have a future first-round pick? Uh, that one that I just referenced earlier, that that Clippers, Thunder, Rockets, Jazz, worst of first rounder. Would they rather have their own choice or the guy that's already chosen for them? No, who knows? But maybe if they would rather have picks and just overload on picks and the Pacers could get Jaime Jaquez, for example, I wouldn't think that that trade would make sense for them, but that is just an idea of many, right? Would the Pacers be willing to eat Duncan Robinson or something like that? They'd have to send out salary to do that, but and use their space to help facilitate something. And Duncan Robinson makes a lot, so the Pacers have to send out a decent amount of money to do that. They, could that make sense for them? Is that a way for them to be involved? Duncan Robinson shooting on the perimeter would fit very well with Tyrese Albert. He's a good player. He's a wing. Even if he is overpaid, why not think about it? Right. For example, same kind of deal with the Clippers. If they're moving Norm Powell or Marcus Morris or Robert Covington, whatever their matching salary is, Powell's got a lot of years left, but Covington and Morris don't. Could the Pacers just get them? Hey, Philly will help you in your cap crunch. Now, Philly might not be in a cap crunch if they trade away James Harden, but these are ways the Pacers can insert themselves, potentially, if they value stuff that's being moved around more than the team that would be receiving them initially. And that is how I feel like, on the free agency front, the Pacers could be impacted by this stuff, is just using opportunity to jump in and make something happen, right? And, like, for example, Portland, if they're going to a rebuild, 
they might want a young big. They don't have a lot of young centers on their team that have a ton of obvious talent going forward. Could they want a Jalen Smith or an Isaiah Jackson? Like maybe, I don't know, but that just seems like a way that, that Pacers could jump in there or could Philly want to dump someone else if they're trying to clear money for next year or something. Uh, who knows? There's a lot of ways this could go. I could go on and on with just random ideas, and it would depend on who the trade partners are. I did just focus on the Clippers and the Heat because those seem like the most commonly reported ones, but they could, in theory, go anywhere, right? But either way, if the Spurs are in for salary dump reasons, this would change, or if Brooklyn's the Dame team, or if there's a different Harden team, you get the gist. That would all change from the examples I said, but just apply those examples in a different way with different player names. It's about finding assets that make more sense for the Pacers than the team they would be going to. And we've seen KP do it before. Wouldn't surprise me if it happened again. Although every team is probably trying to think about how they could swoop in and be of use in trades like this. We're already seeing reported third teams for Tyler Hero of a trade that hasn't even potentially happened yet. So that's just kind of how these things shake out. Now, the the backside of this, like I referenced at the beginning of either Portland or Miami getting better or uh, of the Clippers getting better, all those direct hits you can speculate about. Once the trade is official and a new team has James Harden or a new team has Damian Lillard, if they even happen, then that discussion becomes more interesting from a Pacers perspective. What does this mean for them, their timeline, their position in the conference? That discussion is is for a later date. But as this stuff is still swirling and the NBA is kind of in slow motion, we haven't seen a ton of action like Mason Plumley got signed Monday and that was one of the only moves that actually happened. I think these trades are kind of clogging stuff up especially because a lot of the guys left are cheaper and no one wants to give out those cheaper deals until they know where the minutes are. And the free agents don't want to sign until they know where the minutes are. So we'll see if the Pacers can get involved with those deals, but I wanted to talk about that a little bit. That was what we talked about a lot last year too with Kevin Durant after his trade request, for example. This is just smart, opportunistic stuff that teams end up trying to think about. Let's talk about finances. We talked about the Pacers cap situation yesterday. I want to talk about how that could influence trades that they could potentially make as they progress in the summer. And it has a little bit to do with the new CBA and how trade rules have been changed slightly in the new league year. Before we do that, though, I want to talk to you guys about prize picks. We're doing daily fantasy made easy. It's simple. Pick a player while they go over under on their prize picks projection. Will Shohei Otani have more or less than five and a half strikeouts? Or Mike Trout have more or less than one and a half hits? You get the idea. You pick two to six players while they score more or less than their prize picks projection. You can up to 25 times your money on any entry. It's easy. It's simple to play. I love that it's just you versus the projections and not against a bunch of other people. And they have a ton of sports that you watch and enjoy. You can make your picks in 60 seconds or less on prize picks. It's very easy. It's fast withdrawals. It's safe. It's operational in over 30 states in Canada. And you got to try it. So download the prize picks app or go to pricepicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code LOCKDOWN. If you deposit $100, price picks will give you $100. If you deposit $50, price picks will give you $50. Bucks. Don't forget to enter the promo code LOCKDOWN at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100 at Prize Picks Daily Fantasy. Made easy. Thank you, as always, for making Locked On Pacers your first listen today and every single day for your second listen. Locked On Blazers, of course. Mike Richmond will have the latest on Damian Lillard wanting out. That's daunting to say, but especially for the first segment, if you want all the angles on that, Mike Richmond will have it on Locked On Blazers. A team finally may be changing direction. Very strange to hear that. I was selfishly rooting for Dame to stick with the Blazers for his whole career, but I get it. Let's talk about the Pacers. This is a Pacers podcast and finances and the trade market and all sorts of stuff. I alluded to this yesterday. I said it wouldn't surprise me if the Pacers aren't done 
or they used all of their cap space before the season. They don't have to. In fact, their cap space number right now is very interesting in the context of the new CBA, but it just wouldn't surprise me, especially given that there's two positions where you could say, eh, the Pacers could theoretically use a little move at that position. So I something I do a lot just to stay on top of Pacers Financial where they are is just use their cap space plus random player salary on the team to figure out who could be available to take in to their space. What could the Pacers do with their cap space plus the salary of one player on their team? For example, Isaiah Jackson this coming season, $2.696 million salary, $2.7 million basically. And the Pacers have basically $7.5 million in maximum cap space. So you combine those two numbers and you could theoretically for the Pacers trade Isaiah Jackson for a player who makes about $10.2 million, slightly less, right? So is there a salary in the league of a $10.2 million player that makes sense for the Pacers and that team might also be wanting to shed money, right? So then you go through every contract in the league. Is there one that makes sense? Is there anything? Funnily enough, the best fit of this, this would never happen, uh, is Oladipo's contract. But um, in general, right, that exercise I find to be valuable because then I find ways that the Pacers could be creative with their space or it helps you find guys that could be available just because of their contract situation. So I did this for a couple guys. Like, for example, they could trade Buddy Heald away for a player making $26.77 million using their space or Daniel Tice for a player making 16.6. But I had to stop myself because I forgot about the new CBA when I started this exercise. And the new CBA, and I think this is good, has laxed trade rules for teams that are under the first tax apron. If you're under, so it used to, not that they were like really stringent before, but now the salary matching rules have been widened. So now for a player who makes seven and a half million to 29 million, they can be traded away for a player who makes a flat seven and a half million more than them, and that's a legal trade. That number used to only be five million, and it's now up to 20, 29 million is the high band of that. That used to be below 20 million. And now also, for above 29 million, you, they can be traded for 125% plus 250K. That used to be only plus 100K. And the seven and a half million range uh, from zero to that can be 200% of that salary plus 250K. That used to be 175% plus 100K. That's a lot of words. I apologize for that boringness, but it's necessary context to say there. It's the range of salaries that can be traded if the two both teams are under the first tax apron is bigger. And a key part of that range I just described is that that $7.5 million just happens to be A, where a band starts, and B, the flat $7.5 million is how much a team can take in or send out for a player making between $7.5 million and $29 million. So for anyone who makes $7.5 million on the Pacers, trading them for a a player that the Pacers could bring into their cap space could also just be a legal salary matching trade. So that would not be smart for the Pacers to do. Instead, they should use their space first and then do that trade. So I just said a lot of stuff that may or may not have made sense, but all of it to say, the only way to do what I just described, where you look at the Pacers cap space as a productive way for them to make a trade or get assets out of a trade, they would need to look for the players on their team who they would be looking to move who make less than seven and a half million dollars. And if they aren't doing that, then they have to think about consolidation because that's where this could change. Namely, because for example, a healed Tice combo is over that $29 million threshold. I'm not saying they should or shouldn't change any player, trade any player, but just looking at the finances, the two names that stand out in that 
lower band would be the bigs, right? Isaiah Jackson and Jalen Smith. So those two could be traded for a player making their salary plus the rest of the Pacers cap space to bring in a player to fill the Pacers space or someone who fits better or just helping another team with their finances to get Pacers assets. That was a lot of words and potentially a lot to explain, but that's how you find out for example, that Jalen Smith plus the Pacers space is $12.5 million that the Pacers could bring in from a different team. And then you figure out that like Kelly Olenek is a player who's kind of good in that range. For example, um, Isaiah Jackson, I said earlier, the numbers are a little different, but like let's pretend Robert Covington is involved in this Clippers Philly thing that could happen. You could trade Jalen Smith for Robert Covington straight up. And save the Sixers some money if they're still dealing with concerns with their aprons, if they want their full MLE for some reason, even though it's late in the summer. Like, there are ways to get creative using the Pacers space with their backup bigs who make less than $7.5 million. Everyone else, though, salary matching comes into play. And then all of a sudden, the Pacers would still have their space and their room exception. So that's where this gets a little bit trickier than it used to be is just that it's not as easy for the Pacers to use their space anymore in trades because while $7.5 is a decent amount, it's not so much in the new landscape of the NBA where contracts are getting bigger. Like to to, to look at it the opposite way, like, like I said earlier, Buddy Heald could be traded for a player making $26.77 million, and they could take that into space, but that trade would be legal as an over-the-cap trade too. So they should use their space first and then do it. For example, that was a lot of words. I hope that made some sense. But in looking at trades, I found that to be a valuable exercise to figure this out. And that made me think one of two things. Either one, if the Pacers do do a trade to break up a logjam in the big spots... It could be that those lower salary players have some difference of value because of that. Or two, if the Pacers are going to make another trade, consolidation seems plausible uh, just because that would open up space in a roster spot that could allow the Pacers to do more stuff that might make sense. But they still have a lot of resources, right? They have that room exception that's about $7.7 million. They have the rest of their cap space, right? They still could have moves to make. And so that was a lot of wordiness about the salary cap and trades and taking guys into space. But those are just ideas and thoughts that make a lot of sense to me as the Pacers kind of approach this, especially because, you know, during the season, it's not as easy to do that kind of stuff. You never know who is and isn't available during the season or who could become available while Teams do fall short of their goals or exceed or whatever. Whereas in the offseason, there's more movement. It's more obvious and clear. So the relaxed trade rules certainly matter here. It opens up a whole new scope for the Pacers. The order of their transaction matters. But the fact that they still have space uh, means that they can still be creative in the ways that they move around. And I don't know who they will or won't trade. They could just be done. They have 15 players that make sense as a team. Uh, but it does feel like just because of their several two threes and their several fives, they could be looking to do some various things. But the low amount of cap space is less trade helpful than it once was. And it would not surprise me to see a Pacers make a move in the way I just described. That was a lot of words. I hope it made sense because it's kind of the way I've been approaching what the Pacers next steps could be this summer and looking at the names of players, particularly ones on expiring contracts. But if you find somebody with a junkier contract who the Pacers could get an asset at the same time as that also could potentially be valuable, then yeah, that also would make sense to me. For example, can they find six and a half million dollars to trade for Dorian Finney-Smith to use the rest of their space? That's just an example. He did not play particularly well after being traded to the Brooklyn Nets. Final thing I want to talk about today, 
the Pacers coaching staff. Going through some changes ahead of this coming season. Let's close out today's show talking about a different Pacers free agent acquisition, one that will sit behind the bench. Thank you, as always. For making Locked On Pacers your first listen today and every single day. Summer League games have started. Pick your team that you want are interested in their young players that played in Summer League yesterday. Locked On Heat for Jaime Jaquez, who I just saw play well. I got to see Gigi Jackson and the Grizzlies play in Utah Summer League today. It's been fun. Lots of action going on around the league. Or Locked On Sixers for the latest on James Harden if you're interested in the transactional side of things. Speaking of the sort of transactional side of things, Pacers made some moves. On the bench, we found out on Saturday, the first day of summer league practice, Rick Carlisle came over and was gracious enough to tell us about the moves that have been made on the staff for the Pacers team. Uh, And there's two reasons that moves have been made. One is that Ronald Norad is leaving the Pacers. Ronald Norad is headed to the Atlanta Hawks on uh, Quinn Snyder's staff. Boy, oh boy, first of all, Quinn Snyder's staff is A, huge, and B, ridiculous. So many talented coaches on that staff. Igor Kokoskov, Brittany Donaldson, locals will know Mike Bray is now on the Atlanta Hawks staff, and Ron Norad, and a bunch of um, Ekpe Udo, some other former players. I mean, it's a it's a nuts good coaching staff they have down in Atlanta, and they're adding Ron Norad to it, who is also a nuts good coach. He's fantastic. He was great for the Pacers this past season, and Norad's among it. I don't know what his motivation was for it. I haven't talked to him, but that's great for him that he found a, a job that he is happy about and is switching to, and he's a great coach. And um, you could always hear his voice carry really well with players. He was born in 1990, despite you know being around the basketball game for such a long time. A lot of locals remember his playing days from Butler, but that playing part of it, the fact that he's coached at so many levels, high school, college, G League, and an assistant in the NBA, like he can really relate to a lot of players of various skill levels, of various ages, just because he himself was a player. Um, he was very well respected with the Pacers last year, a strong voice who did a lot of their defensive stuff, taking over for Lloyd Pierce. I personally think he'll be a head coach in the NBA someday. So any talented coach leaving a staff is a loss, and the Pacers will figure that out. Uh, I'm sure they already know that, but you know they'll see that this coming season. But they also... Still have a great staff. A lot of the Carlisle carryovers from Dallas still around. Lloyd Pierce is still around. They just had to do some shuffling with Norad leaving, but he wasn't the only one who left. This one was announced uh, about a month ago, actually. Many Hoosier fans will know about this one. Calbert Cheney is going to the IU staff again, rejoining, I should say, uh, after being in a player development role. Um, so, he, so his spot will be backfilled as well. So two people leaving the Pacers bench and will be replaced. Their staff is still fantastic. So uh, Norad, Mike Weiner, and Lloyd Pierce were the front of the bench with Carlisle last year. With Norad gone, Jenny Busick, who came, um, I just said her last name wrong, Jenny Busick, who came from Dallas to Indiana along with Carlisle, joining at the same time as Norad. Uh, she'll come to the front of the bench. Um, so a re- good for her. She well-deserved, also well-respected. If you didn't know, she worked a lot with TJ McConnell, for example, on his shot form. She's worked with a lot of players on various shooting things here and there. And hey, McConnell's been a fantastic shooter these uh, last couple seasons. Her player development track record is strong. Great WNBA coach in the past. Uh, I, I, her resume speaks for itself. She's on the front of the bench now with Weiner and Lloyd Pierce and Rick Carlisle. And then her spot on the back of the bench will be filled by a former Pacers assistant. How about that? Um, but that is not his resume that people know him for. Jim Boylan. Jim Boylan was with the Pacers for the first time, if many of you remember, in 2011-2012. That was the only year he was with the Pacers, but that was Frank Vogel's 
first full year as head coach. That was that lockout year. Uh, the Pacers lost in the second round that year to the Heat, the first of three uh, Miami playoff losses. But Jim Boylan was an assistant with the team back then. Last season, Boylan was around a lot. We could see him, you know, watching practices, communicating with players, all sorts of stuff. He was a consultant, and now he's officially on Pacers staff as an assistant coach. He'll be at the back of the bench. Carlisle said it was great for the staff that someone with that resume is, is willing to kind of sacrifice and take that spot behind the bench. Uh, if you'll remember, he had two seasons as the head coach of the Chicago Bulls that ended in 19, or 19, that ended in 2019. 20 season was his last year there. He's been working on uh, with Team USA in the past a lot on their some of their World Cup qualifying teams. Like he coached Langston Galloway and David Stockton to Pacers tie-ease in recent seasons, and now he's on the back of the Pacers bench, so you'll see him and hear his name more often than you have in the past because he got that bump up. So uh, cool to see him back and in in more of a role uh, after going from consultant to assistant. And then in Cheney's spot, um, Isaac Jacob, who came from the Kings to the Pacers, will go from um, video coordinator to player development coach. And then Martin Tomby, who was a basketball intern last year, will get Isaac's spot as video coordinator, head video coordinator. So um, keeping it all within, which is cool. Rick Carlisle loved that the Pacers could promote from within for all of these positions. And um, I think that's good as well. A lot of synergy with the staff is helpful. Well, there's not like a lot of turnover with the Pacers roster this year, but, you know, Shepard and Walker and Toppin and and Bruce Brown, that's already four new players. Perhaps there could be another one. There's already two new two-way players. We'll talk about that tomorrow um, coming in. So one more move, and a third of their standard roster is flipped over from last year, having coaching continuity for from last year. This year is, of course, valuable for really two or three years in a row now after three coaches in three years from McMillan to Bjorkren to Carlisle, I think is good for a young and growing team. So that's great for the Pacers that uh, their staff will remain largely similar with promotions for uh, some key members. Another part of this that I thought was really interesting is, you know, I talked about this earlier. Norad was the defense guy last year and now he's gone. And so I, Scott Agnes, I believe, asked, you know, who's going to do what role? And Carlisle said they're kind of going to be changing up the, the potentially uh, the structure of how that will work. Right. He said that they might go away from the the usual coordinator structure. He said they're still talking about it as a staff, but he thinks there could be some positives to mixing it up. Perhaps that's like a rotating um, door of who does what job every game or just all of them have their hand in each part of the game a little bit or all of them work on different parts of the scout for each opponent or whatever that looks like. That could be any number of different things. We'll find out as the season officially kind of is underway and maybe Gennaro Pargo is more involved, right? He's the summer league coach. He's been a player development guy. Um, we'll see what this all shakes out to be, but it's cool that uh, they kept it all in house and have a new snap, but great for Ronald North. Congrats to him for finding uh, a new job that he's happy with um, down in Atlanta. Pacers will miss him, but they still have a great coaching staff heading into the next season. Carlisle was asked by Tom Lewis of Indy Cornrows if he believes that his staff is set for next year. He said yes, uh, but that is not. He said, I believe so, actually. That uh, doesn't mean it is. It could still change, but that is his belief at this time. So Jim Boylan, kind of an acquisition. He was a consultant last year. But Jim Boylan, an acquisition for the Pacers uh, on the bench uh, for free agency purposes. I really wanted to just do that news item as well because I think it's a big deal, right? The, that's a big coaching change announcement, and the Pacers 
could look a little different as a result of it. Tomorrow, pending moves. Like I said yesterday at the end of the show with Derek Schultz, it's impossible to truly plan this week, right? Tomorrow, the Pacers could make a trade or sign a player or something, and then obviously the next show will be discussing that move. But in the absence of that taking place or anything happening from Pacers roster tomorrow, they don't have summer league practice tomorrow. Uh, then on Wednesday's show, uh, we'll have Alex Wolf from Locked On Knicks and Ryan Blackburn from Mile High Sports come on to talk about the Pacers' new guys. Ten minutes on Bruce Brown, ten minutes on Obi Toppin, and then the third segment will be about the Pacers' new two-way guys. They officially signed Oscar Shibway and Isaiah Wong. Um, so that would be that show. Kevin Bowen will join us later this week to talk about again. We'll see if any moves happen. If not, the new look Pacers. And then Friday, pending moves again. Uh, this is as much planning as I can do this week. Hopefully by Friday. If nothing has happened, a Summer League preview. Pacers Summer League roster is moving. They've had some practices. We've gotten to talk to some of the new guys. Uh, it'll be cool to see that team. I love Summer League. And I will be out there in Vegas. And there's a chance uh, that my credentialing is through this podcast. So you could, some of you who watch on YouTube, could get some exclusive video content there. We will see how that all shakes out. But excited for all that and the rest of the week here as free agency progresses. But of course, all those shows could pivot. The topics could change if the Pacers make a move or do anything. We'll see. The league appears to be in a bit of a holding pattern as Lillard and Harden figure out their next steps. Thank you guys so much for listening today. As you know, free and available on all platforms every single day, every single weekday here at Locked on Pacers. I'm on Twitter at Tony R. East for the time being that that app still actually works. This podcast is at Locked on Pacers. Hope everybody has a fantastic fourth, has a lot of fun, and does some safe stuff. We will see you tomorrow.